There's a castle in the sky. <laughs> there is a castle on a cloud. <laughs> it's a big, tall, Tanya, terrible Tanya. castle. <laughs> <laughs> castle, 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 castle in the sky. <laughs> There's a little castle. It's also in the sky. <laughs> okay, let's take this again from the top, but to the tune of Pizza Time song from Spider-Man PS2. Okay. Oh, I thought Got you meant Pizza, the song that the Olsen twins sing. The, ca- <laughs> the castle in the sky, it's in the sky, yes! It's in the sky! So good, so sky! Anyway, my name's Jackson McMurray. Oh. <laughs> my name's Ally McMurray. Uh, and I'm Tosh Ritter. Perfect. Okay, this is No Nerds Allowed. <laughs> there are no nerds allowed, which means we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, this is where the, the theme song goes. I don't know. <laughs> it's always it's always a chore for me trying to figure out how to edit the beginnings of these things. But I <laughs> feel like I work it out. In any way, shape, or form. <laughs> I feel like it, it sounds like this has become a brand, though, at this point. Exactly. Like, you guys have found your niche, <laughs> and that is no niche. Yeah. <laughs> <That> is- Precisely. <laughs> No, yeah, that is our biggest Achilles heel as a podcast, is that we have a criminally underdeveloped premise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and, like, but that just became the premise. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that sounds like the best tagline ever. <laughs> the yeah. podcast with a criminally like, underdeveloped no, there's premise. A we have no idea what the fuck we're doing. Just. <laughs> I also low-key would love a shirt that just says criminally underdeveloped on it, and that's yeah. it. Like. <laughs> But anyway, listeners at home, we are here today with Tosh Ritter of hey. of Cosmonaut Tabletops and her own personal streams under a name that I don't remember at this moment. Uh, what's your What's your Twitch? Uh, my handle that I lurk on everywhere on the internet is Tosh Draws. So it's uh, I I'm a Tosh and I draw sometimes. <laughs> that makes sense. That does track. Um, we, so yeah, that's who we're with today. If you're wondering who that third voice was, that's, that's who it is. Who also, is that? also my co-star on Find Us Alive. Um, yeah. my I... favorite thing about this podcast so far is that I get to see every time that Tosh dabs, but the listeners at home <laughs> will not be able to. You guys are missing out. I, I apologize for the, the lack of You know what, you're right, usually... Usually we don't record in the same room. Like, and when we do record in the same room, we whenever we do stupid stuff, like spell Dr. Pepper or whatever, we see it. But now we've got cameras this time, so I can just be, like, dabbing the whole time. <laughs> and no one will ever be no. any the wiser. Yeah, and you can't say that I dabbed, because you didn't see it. You don't know. <laughs> though though we could... Here, level with me for a second. What if we put a very bass-boosted, just the... You know, yeah, every, time every, dab <laughs> every time like, there's Every time you dab... Back. Except, but I how guess, am I going to keep track of that? When I'm editing this later, I'm not going to know when somebody you, dabs. Yeah, you're going to feel it. You'll, you're going to feel I mean, it in the audio. Yeah. Hold on, I think I could put a. I think I could put a marker. You got to use the force. <laughs> <laughs> while I'm, while I'm, let me just do some experiments. Uh, bear with right me here. here Don't ask any questions. I might accidentally stop recording briefly, but <laughs> I'm going to do my best here. This whole operation is about to fall apart over dabbing. Aha! I can't do a marker. Okay. I could do a marker seamlessly. Incredible. 
Oh my god. So now every time one of you guys dabs, I'm gonna <laughs> put in a... No, that was like four. You gotta click no, faster. Stop. You gotta click faster, Jackson. Our budget is just skyrocketing. <laughs> the power of my dabs. We don't we don't have any more dabs in the budget. Gosh. Every time I dab it costs Disney five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so that would also uh, be a good Tosh. shirt. Uh, sorry, yes. <laughs> Tosh, what movie did we watch today? Uh, we watched Castle in the Sky by Studio yes. Ghibli, released in 1986 or something like that. It's it's an oldie, yes. but a goodie. So the second of Hayao Miyazaki's Castle movie trilogy. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> good one, Jackson. <laughs> yeah, he has a lot of castle movies. Yeah. What's the so, deal? With castle movies <laughs> and Ghibli movies, it's so, like... okay. That's the end of my Seinfeld impression. <laughs> okay, cool. I, so usually on this podcast, I do a bit called Trivia Time, where I look at the IMDb trivia for a movie oh, and yeah. just, like, find what horrible, awful things people have written there that don't make sense. They're just sentences. Um, That's not... Did... <laughs> Someone um, just put some words together in a new order. Right. But this, this is good. But had... this time, there wasn't anything particularly funny, except for the the, the space that was labeled um, director trademarks for Hayao Miyazaki, and that was just like, there's a pig in it at this time, <laughs> yeah. and Hayao Miyazaki very often has pigs in his films. I was like, I, you're not wrong. But they <laughs> didn't mention, they didn't mention that it's literally his... I guess not his third. His second movie with the word castle in the title. That yeah. sounds like a director trademark to me. And yes. both, of the, both of these movies don't really have castles in them, if you think about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. How's with a castle? Kind of a castle? It's just a big toad thing. That's not a castle. <laughs> right, that's true. I guess, I guess Castle of Cagliostro is a castle, right? I haven't seen it myself, but I feel like I've seen... The castle. From I feel like it. I've seen a castle. I think I know what that yeah. is. Wait. Okay. Remind me, because was that Miyazaki did direct that one too, right? It just. I mean, I know yes. that wasn't a Studio Ghibli specifically. Right. right? Well, this okay. is the first Studio Ghibli movie since he set right. up the studio called yeah. Ghibli. Mm-hmm. Um, but before this, really he fun. did. I know his first movie was Castle of Cagliostro, and. The one after that was Nausicaa, I think. Right. Wait, why yeah. is, I, is Totoro just retroactively the logo? I, I guess. I don't think he was the logo film. from the very beginning. Yeah, you open this film and it has a Studio Ghibli with the little blue Totoro, but that, that movie hadn't come out yet, right? Well, um, it could have been something It was probably where, a like, retroactive. Yeah, I, I, I think it took them a while before they actually released this movie in the States That's in particular, awesome. oh, so so I think it might have been that they had that set up after. So yeah, I have some stories to tell. I have a little bit of research that I did, but Ooh. I'm gonna need you guys to humor me and let me take my inhaler super quick before I start them. This I count as dabbing. A sip. I don't know. I guess I'll have to make that decision later. <laughs> well, if you put the marker down, then it's all over. <laughs> exactly. Um. Oh, I'm trying to remember. No, no, Doc, I have something to say. (laughs) Just wait, though. Okay. I got clear lungs and I'm ready to talk at you. So, um, basically, 
Miyazaki is kind of one of my blind spots in terms of like movie watching, mm-hmm. mostly because you, Adeline, got really into it when you were younger. Yeah. And so you couldn't me, like it. You were not exactly. To like yeah. It. <laughs> it was like something yeah. my little sister liked, and I was like, oh, that's probably lame. <laughs> so I, I well, like. I I've also seen... watched Ponyo maybe about twelve thousand times <laughs> in our childhood, yeah. and I think you hated Ponyo, so I think I just <laughs> yeah. turned you off of it just completely. I mean, I never watched it really. No, I mean, I'm sure throughout the years I've seen the lion's share of Ponyo and Howl's Moving Castle, and I have seen Spirited Away. Yeah, but well, because you were what super else did you into watch Spirited Away the first time you watched it, and then you never watched it again. <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't think I've watched it since I was a youngin. Um. That but, one's also uh, very good. It's very right, good. but for this movie particularly, um, I was doing some research because, Adeline, you and I, we watched the Disney dub, the yeah. John Lasseter oh, dub. So you guys did um, watch the English one. Yes, mm-hmm. that was like, one of the things I wanted to talk about is I wanted Mark, to have a subs or dubs debate <laughs> on, <laughs> on the show. Yes. Um, but apparently there were two different dubs that were manufactured, two different English dubs for this movie. Right. You look like you have something you want to say, Tosh. No, I was just saying, like, I found out about that while I was browsing the IMDb trivia stuff, like, yesterday. So I didn't didn't actually realize. So I assume that I watched the Disney... I watched the one with Mark Hamill in it. That's right. What I yeah, mean. so that's okay. the Disney dub. Okay. The original one they did. That was what? real trivia. Why wasn't that a trivial time? That's good actual trivia. Wait, no, I can't do regular good trivia in trivia time. <laughs> I mean, I could if I wanted to. There's plenty of good trivia on IMDb. <laughs> that's not funny though. Oh, you gotta find it for the little sour eggs. <laughs> um, anyway, my point is. Um, a lot of the old Miyazaki movies didn't really get sent over to America until Spirited Away came out, and that was, like, a huge deal, and it, like, won Best Animated Feature, and everyone was like, oh, we kind of thought Americans wouldn't like this, but it turns out they actually kind of do, so let's get this this rolling again. Mm-hmm. And John Laster was the guy who was in charge of, like, supervising all the dubs and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Because um, when you watch yeah. Spirited Away, you first have to watch, like, 20 minutes of John Laster just talking about how much he <laughs> likes the movie. And it's like, let me watch the movie, John. I don't care about how much you like it. Let me watch it. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, apparently there was an older English dub that was just for use in Japan. Just like you would make a dub of a movie regularly in Spanish or whatever. There was an right. English one that got distributed in Japan. Um, but then, huh. like, ten years later, when they finally released it on a home video in the U.S., Disney was like, oh, we're going to get Anna Paquin and James Vanderbeek and Mark Hamill and all these all mm-hmm. these guys mm-hmm. to lend some name recognition to it. Um, so, uh, yeah, but that's just the thing that I always find interesting is that, like, you know, in the 21st century, movies, like, even, like, foreign movies, like, there are very few situations in which you just, like, can't get a hold of a movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like now, but like I don't know. Even like twenty years ago, before Spirited Away came out in America, you just like you didn't have them. Yeah. You couldn't. Yeah. You couldn't get at them. And it took that long for like my neighbor Totoro and Kiki's Delivery Service to be in America at all. So Tosh. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> oh, I mean, unless you had something else you wanted to say. No, you, you I, seem I... like you seem like a subs person. Um, I'm actually. A huge fan of both subs and dubs. Right. I I I get like the debate, and I can see why people like or dislike either one. But uh, I 
since I, I have a background in, in voice acting and it's one of the things I'm pursuing, I, mm-hmm. I really love watching English dubs to kind of like see like the actor's performances and be able to kind of like uh, gauge a little bit. Because I mean, obviously, like super old, like earlier dubs, <clears throat> let's be honest, like quality could be hit and miss sometimes. And so, <laughs> right, uh, yeah. But like more current and recent things, it's it's I like watching both. I usually watch mm. like sub first because that's usually what's available first, and then I'll rewatch right. later with the dub and be like, oh yeah, I like what they did, or I see how they tried to adapt their performance to uh, mm-hmm. for a different context because it, it will always be different. And so instead of trying to just oh try to match what the original VA in the other language did, like. Mm-hmm they're giving the character their own flavor and i really like that mm-hmm. um and this is one of the movies where even though it was a lot older like the quality that they put into the dub i really enjoyed the performances so i was uh i don't know i i feel like this is one of the few pretty good <clears throat> ones from like earlier on right that yeah, weren't like garbage no. so. <laughs> <laughs> right um but yeah i don't know and it's so interesting because like when you're watching a foreign movie that's in a different language. It will never be fully the experience it was meant to be to you. Yeah. Like, no matter what, what you do. Like, with subtitles, it it changes your viewing experience because you have to engage with it in a different way. And you can't... You have to be fully invested in the thing. Otherwise, there's, like, a really large separation between you and the movie. You know? If you look away at something for a moment, you will, like, literally miss... Yeah. Dialogue, yeah. events of the film. But on the other hand, if you are just doing a dub in another language, there's a lot of subtleties of translation and just mm-hmm. you're throwing away the original voice acting that was done specifically for the film as it was meant to be seen, you know? Yeah. And so there's I, always that added level of difficulty, too, though, where they recorded and then the animation was made. like for that recording exactly so there's also the fact that you're having to match previously existing stuff and just match up your performance with the lip flaps and somehow (laughs) nail all those subtleties and all the emotion stuff like it's very challenging so i honestly have like massive respect right no yeah and even ones like this that are like really highbrow like professionally produced there are some times where they're just like just because languages are different and some phrases are longer or shorter yeah. in different languages where they have to be like, what's that? What's over there? What are you doing? <laughs> Instead yeah. of just saying it like I a loved, regular person. I love the, the like pirate goons in this movie because I could tell, I, it was Gosh. like a little bit the voice actors having fun and a little bit being that Japanese phrases are maybe a little bit longer than American phrases because they'll right. be like in the background and you can just hear them going like, what are you guys doing over there? What's up? Are we flying over here? When's lunch? And it's just, it's really funny. Right. Oh, um, yes. Something I did learn about this Disney dub of this movie in particular though was apparently they commissioned a much longer score for this audio track. Mm, Um, Apparently, yeah, there's a lot more silence in the original one, but John Lasseter decided that American audiences wouldn't like that, so they had the guy come back Mm. in like 15 years later and write like 30 more minutes of music to just fill in the spaces of all the spots that he didn't write music for before. Remember that thing you did 15 years ago? Can you do more of that? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, 
he was paid. Well, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> he is a composer. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that is one thing that kind of bugs me is that, like, American audiences, a lot of times we, like, can't handle silence or, like, quiet in our movies very right. much. Like, I think a movie like this, it makes sense. I didn't actually know that there was, like, additional music added. Like, I don't, I don't right. mind the silence so much. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice to have, like, something more, like... Uh, I don't know if meditative is the right word, but you get what I mean. Right. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm not surprised, I guess, that that happened. But I also like, do you think that that's improved at all recently? I feel like maybe it has. Like, where people I are feel not like trying to. We're in an era where people are more likely to be aware when changes like that are made. Mm-hmm. I feel like in nineteen. 19- 95 or whenever it was they released this new dub and this is the first way that people have ever seen it and they're just like oh yeah this is what it is that's cool but in the 21st century with the internet you could say like oh there's this japanese movie coming over and when they did a new dub they also added a whole bunch of music and people would say well that's lame why don't you keep it the same i feel Mm -hmm. like there's a much better we have more information about movies now and we also i think there's a greater at least among people who are into it like there's a greater um want for originality you know Mm -hmm. for like true to the original vision of the thing versus just what what our culture wants quote unquote i mean that's probably what are you giggling at adelaide this probably isn't a good comparison but just like the speed of information about things being changed like as soon as cats was released everybody knew that the animation wasn't done it's like that kind of thing it's like (laughs) It, it's like Sonic being fixed. It's like that kind of thing. Like stuff that used to be like insider like knowledge is now just like on Twitter immediately somehow. I right. don't know how, but it is. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't know what kind of spies they have in California that are just immediately on Twitter as soon as something goes wrong, but they're there and I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, film journalists. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but how do they no, know, yeah. Jackson? <laughs> Who told them? Um. But yeah, and like, I don't know, it's really interesting because just because there's such a greater availability of like foreign movies, it's it's always been interesting to me that like English dubs have always been a popular um, thing to do with animated movies, but we've never, it's never really crossed over to like live action things. Yeah, like it's that's... it seems to me like the thing I think about right now is Parasite, which is like this huge deal, and everybody's talking about it, and everybody is like so into Parasite, and it seems like a slam dunk home run for them to be like, oh yeah, let's get Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt in here, yeah. <laughs> get them to do the voices of these guys in English. That way, you can get extra name recognition, and it's more accessible to a wider audience, and you can presumably make a lot more money from distributing it in the u.s but yeah hmm. i don't know they just don't they don't do that i mean i think it's the fact that it's a person that we kind of can't we can't have that suspension of disbelief so much like with an animated character it's not a real person so if it sounds like mark hamill you're not like that's mark hamill you're like that's that's whoever that is but when it's a real person it's like i know that that's not bruce willis and it's weird that bruce willis's (laughs) voice is coming out of his mouth like i feel like that's like a suspension of disbelief that's a a lot harder than doing it in animation you know right that's true because you're also dealing with like 
you can clearly see that the person's mouth is not moving or making those sounds whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But in animation, it's usually just like lip flaps, fairly neutral shapes, and it's the same. It's just open or closed type of thing, you know, Mm -hmm. with with some variation. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I I think it's also people are being much more open to the idea of subtitles now, Mm -hmm. which is kind of nice for like people who are like deaf or hard of hearing and uh, people with like attention issues or for whatever reason that the subtitles just make it easier to follow along Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with things and so maybe there's also something with that or like the fact that Parasite's such an art like art house type film and they're not wanting to like (laughs) mess with it or I don't know I don't know I guess that's about Parasite and not about Castle in the Sky. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah. So, yeah, speaking of Castle in the Sky, um, (laughs) we've done very little discussion of the film itself up Mm -hmm. to this point. Um, This is my my first time seeing it, and I think it is for you, too, Adeline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, I had Um, my Ghibli movies that I watched, but I never really strayed outside of the ones that I watched because it was a little bit harder to find them. Like, you either got it on DVD or you didn't have it, period. So like I had right. I had the ones that I had and then I just really couldn't get any of the other ones. Yeah, yeah and this this was actually one of the only ones I had seen or watched for most of my. I don't know how we got a copy of this movie. <laughs> Why did kinda, we have this movie? It just kind of <laughs> manifested in our house one day. I think I don't know, <laughs> but like I've been watching this movie since I was like twelve, hmm. uh, and it's so funny because even though I watched and loved this movie so much, I didn't see any other Ghibli movies for the longest time. And you know how sometimes uh, your friends in the anime club in high school were a little <laughs> bit too overexcited? Right. Like, I had a few of them that were literally, like, live, eat, breathe Ghibli. Mm. And, like, it right. turned me off a little bit. So I've seen, like, the major ones, and I've seen a couple more since, but I still haven't even really touched most of Ghibli. Mm-hmm. But, like, this, right. this specific film is like the big one that I I have watched like so many times and it's it's uh I was actually really excited to find out that you guys had not seen this because mm-hmm. like right. I was worried that maybe there's nostalgia glasses going on since I've just seen this <laughs> so many times right no yeah and this is a movie that I've always felt like was of incredible like cultural import in Japan mm-hmm. that just never quite translated to america like it seems like it's one of the lesser known miyazakis yeah in in our in our lives but when i don't know it just seems like the kind of thing that you can see just in looking at it like how influential it was on so many other things in japanese culture Mm -hmm. yeah just like looking at it like clearly this was super important but we don't really we don't really like it very much over here for some reason ghibli films there's so much japanese politics going on them that can kind of just be absorbed as universal politics and stuff like pollution is bad and war is terrible and children shouldn't be working in labor and stuff like that but like in this movie, they like they literally drop a nuclear bomb in the ocean. Like it's very clear, <laughs> yeah. right. like the kind of metaphor that we're taking. It's a very, it's very politically relevant in Japan. So I think yeah, mm-hmm. like it doesn't. Not that it doesn't translate to America because we're the ones that dropped that bomb. But you know, like it yeah. very obviously rings more true with the Japanese audience than what with the American audience. Yeah, right. It, there was definitely ahead, a Tosh. lot of themes that were kind of 
interesting that are maybe not as blatantly portrayed in American media, at least at the time, at least for mm-hmm. sure. In the eight, I mean, there was uh, even even if it was kind of s- sneaky about it. Uh, I mean, like there there was a lot of uh, like feminist themes to it too. Oh yeah, I. I just right. realized if we're talking about this and we're like, hey, this is like a movie, a Ghibli movie that most people don't know about, or like, should we give a quick like synopsis of the premise? <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, I mean, the movie itself is very straightforward, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've there's got a castle like in the sky. There's, there's a and castle and it's in it. the sky. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's like a little girl, and she is like a not a princess, but is somehow blood related to something important about this castle in the sky. Hey, Jackson, that's I have the, bad that's news the, for you. She, she is the princess. <laughs> she is a princess? Do they say that? Are yeah, we, several do times. We, wait, do okay. we, are we spoiling? or? Yeah, we're spoiling. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, <laughs> I guess it was released in 1986. Yeah. So like, yeah. If y'all and you, and you clicked on, it on a long. podcast for it. You got it. Right. <laughs> I mean, look, True. it's the kind of thing that, like, in our format, you can't talk for an hour and 20 minutes about a movie without, like, talking about the spoilers the of it. It's just, I, just, just, I just had to make a, sure. Just had to make yeah, sure. Because, no. like, I, I was, like, ready to avoid the super spoilery <laughs> content just to be safe. So. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, so it's like a little girl is a princess, but we don't know anything about her or her life. And we don't ever really find out anything about her life before mm-hmm. the events of this movie start. Yeah, she evidently just um, and, grew up in a small farming village, and her family all passed away. And then mm-hmm. the military came to snatch her up, and now she's been chased right. back and forth by pirates or or army dudes. <laughs> yeah, um, but so she meets this little boy who lives in a little coal mining town, and then Hold they that shoulder she wiggle. has a little. I don't know. She's got a little crystal. She's got an Ethereum crystal, which is a string of words that I really hate. And (laughs) every time they say, like, you have to take the Ethereum crystal, there's like a part of me in the back of my head that's just like, was it called that the whole time? That's the worst. (laughs) And it like always caught me off guard every single time. It's like the magic equivalent of like the Marvel science bullshit. It's just like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) You (laughs) unobtainium. Oh and gosh. vibranium and ethereum. It's all the worst. <laughs> all horrible. Just say um, special rock. It's okay. But yeah, so there's like the military and they want it. And then there's these scrappy pirate family. The yeah. sky pirate family. I love them so much. That I, wants it too. I love them. They... And yeah, that's pretty much it. That's like the conflict. Yeah. I mean, there's two things that really got me like the first time watching it is the... Uh, Ghibli films usually do, if they, depending on the movie, they usually do have, like, violence in them, and there usually is, like, warships and bombs and stuff, but this was the first Ghibli movie where I watched someone just, like, straight up pull out a gun, and I'm gonna say it really, like, took me by (laughs) surprise. Right. At the very beginning, when she's, like, running through that party with, like, a big Gatling gun, it's just like, everybody get down! And the score is just like, I know, the score is so heavy. (laughs) You're like, whoa! Yeah. What? Yeah. Also, just to clarify, the the main protagonist names. Her name is Shira. Shida. Shida. Okay. Not Shira. Is uh, that's the the He Man connected. Yeah. 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 But I I really like her character because she like she definitely holds that place of like the 
the princess archetype. Like, she's very much that, and that's fine. But then she also knocks a man unconscious in the very first scene that she's in with a wine bottle. So, like, yeah. she does <laughs> and stuff, and it's great. Yeah, the first thing we see is her knock a man out, climb out of a window, and... Yeah hold to maybe an inch's worth of metal on the outside of the airship and and trying she's trying to creep her way along the outside of the ship with no actual hand or footholds like yeah she's that's badass solo. to me yeah yeah she, she jumps off of a moving airplane and just <laughs> turns into an action hero for just a second and it's great Gosh. but yeah like uh and there's something about sort of i don't know i just want to go back to the score because i think just in terms of, like, the way they want to portray the tone of what's going on mm-hmm. is really interesting to me because it's got a very different sensibility than the majority of, like, American movies you see, you know? I mean, yeah, like I said, when it's, like, much. this big exciting action sequence at the beginning where these bad guys are, like, breaking into a party and threatening to shoot people, the score is, like, pretty bouncy and they it want you happy, to be like, yeah. this is the fun part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's... It's just interesting, like, and I don't know, I can't name any specific examples off the top of my head, but the whole time I was thinking, like, this just doesn't feel like the way you would score a regular movie in America, Mm -hmm. you know? A lot of the times the music is sort of going counter to what's happening, but not in, like, an explicitly sort of... It's not like they're trying to throw you off balance with it. Mm -hmm. It's more like just they want to add another thing to the scene with the music rather than just accentuate what there already is you know Mm -hmm. yeah the no the score has definitely been one of my favorite parts of this movie for as long as i can remember and i've been watching this since before i could really like tell the difference you know like i can really (laughs) comprehend Um, what's going on in the movie hold on a second uh my discord apparently doesn't want me to oh there we go okay um there, one track in particular, though, that just gets me every time is um, towards the end of the movie. Not to skip ahead too far, but like oh, you're good. <laughs> t- towards the end when uh, the city is collapsing and it mm-hmm. switches to that. It's just straight acapella. It's just a choir singing the, the theme of Laputa. Uh, here, I've linked it in the chat for you guys, too, as oh. a refresher. <laughs> This shit gives me goosebumps every time. <laughs> I don't know why, but like, yeah, the story is just so. I'll probably put it in the podcast. I don't know if I'll get in trouble for that, but you know, whatever. Disney's litigious. No, this isn't even a Disney copyright anymore necessarily. No, I mean it was originally, but Miyazaki has been so weird about like the the distribution rights and the streaming rights and all that kind of stuff of his of his work. That it's not really a Disney property anymore. You could probably play like a small sample and still have it fall under fair yeah. use or something. Yeah, like I think that, the rule right? is I mean, 30 look, seconds. The way that we do it right now, like we're on YouTube and we're on the podcast and there's no there's no there's like no systems in place for up. podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean unless somebody like reports us, we'll be fine. <laughs> but right, also so on YouTube 
don't on, report us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like on YouTube, you you know they have that whole copyright claim system. But like, you don't get taken down. You just don't get any money from it. And it's not mm. like we're making any money off yeah. this anyway. <laughs> so. That is like true. maybe someday, ten years from now, when we're a very successful podcast, I'll smack myself on the forehead and be like, "God damn it! Oh, the castle that of the castle sky in the sky episode that was the episode. one that was really going to get us. It's got more <laughs> views than any other, and we're losing out on it." But oh, um, you know, if yeah. that happens, we'll just make you pay for it out of pocket, Tosh. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so I I was really struck by like how much, and you know, I think a lot of this can be you know one of these like discussions about the differences between Eastern and Western storytelling. But like, Mm -hmm. I was fascinated by how little context we get for so much of what happens. Like, it doesn't feel like it needs to tell you everything that is going on at all times. It's just like, it just tells you what you need to know. Like the objective of the character right in this moment, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and you just like feel immersed anyway. Mm -hmm. Right. I love that. I was comparing it, not because there's any direct comparison, but just because it was a movie I was watching yesterday. I watched um, High Life, which is, uh, this movie is directed by Claire Denis, but it's like this weird artsy sci-fi about Robert Pattinson being like the last person alive on like a prison spaceship and they're going towards a black hole, but it's like super long and slow and quiet. It's like a very artsy sci-fi movie. Mm -hmm. And it's- also gross because all the main themes are about like rape and like agency over your uh. own body and there's like a scientist who's like doing fertility experiments on prisoners like against Aww. their wills and it's like this movie's so Ugh. whack and there's so much cum in it there's so much cum in it anyway oh um the point i was making though is that that movie sort of that was the last thing I expected to talk about in a podcast episode the, about Castle in the Sky, a wholesome look, Ghibli movie. It's just the truth. Any, ask anybody and they'll tell you there's a lot of cum in it. Okay. Oh my gosh. Um, but they both sort of operate on the same like narrative kind of principle where it's like they're not telling you everything all the time. You're just supposed to like go along with it and you'll mm-hmm. you know, you'll get there. Mm-hmm. But like the difference is that in High Life, the thing that's missing is that it's not even just the full context. It's that you don't fully understand people's motivations mm-hmm. all the yeah. time. Like they just do stuff and you're like, I don't know why I should care. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. know what this is or what's going on, I'm, but something like castle in the sky, it's really specific about the motivations. It shows you just as much as it needs to, to be like, here's this kid. Uh, he wants to do this. It doesn't necessarily matter why he wants to do it per se, but you know that that's what he mm. wants to do, and mm. you become invested in that mm. as an idea, versus just showing somebody doing something and expecting you to just go along with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a very, I think it's very much because of the Japanese audience, because Howl's Moving Castle is also a lot like that, where they don't tell you what everyone's motivations are all the time. They're just doing things, and you're just watching them do the things. And that's more interesting because it's based off of an English book. It's a story that already existed. So they're like choosing what to tell you and not what to tell you from this book. So it's very interesting that they leave out a lot of character motivations in that story also. I think it's very much because of the Japanese audience and the way that they watch movies versus how we watch movies. We're like, we want to know why someone does something. We want to know about everybody's dead parents. We want to know their motivation. (laughs) Right. 
Well, kind of like, like in The Grinch, where they went out up. of their way <laughs> shut your mouth to explain exactly I'll kill why you? the Grinch was so Grinchy I'll because kill of you. his dead parents. Shut up. Anyway. Okay, but they're they're not like because his mother was a seamstress and she never got to see the sight of gold. It's not that. It's just that he was an orphan. <laughs> it's not about the parents, Jackson. <laughs> Well, we don't know their names. We never see them. They don't matter. <laughs> it's not a part of it. Real talk, though, I, I think there is definitely, uh, and and, I mean, I'm, I'm going into game design. Like that's what I'm going to school for. And so this is something that right. is very much, like, discussed. Whether you're t- talking about like a film or a game, mm-hmm. but being able to portray character in a way that, because like y- you're not going to understand people's every thought and motivation at all times that would not Mm -hmm. be good storytelling so like there's always going to be a sense of that and that's that's good because you you want to have some surprise and whatever but i feel like this movie so artfully like just it i can't even put my finger on exactly how and like all the little things that why but it just it does so well of conveying the character and their motivations and just their energy just like just seeing them and just mm-hmm. like the little things that they're doing, like you understand the character and you understand their motivations. And so when they're doing something, it at least makes sense. Like you you understand the right. character and you can see how this lines up. There's so many movies and games out there and it sounds like kind of like what you were describing where it's like, you know, things are left out because uh, and they're trying to like keep things hidden from you for like mystery or like there's a fog of war aspect or whatever like like you don't know about a thing but you mm-hmm. also don't know or understand these characters whatsoever so nothing makes sense they could just kind of do whatever and it's just plot convenience right. and that's mm-hmm. frustrating as hell right that's so well, yeah i mean yeah like i said it's like you need to know what they want mm-hmm. that's the most important yeah. thing as long as you as a viewer understand what it is specifically they're trying to do you'll go along with it, even if you don't necessarily know why, as long as you are very clear on, you know, he wants to find the castle in the sky and he want, and the little girl wants to get away from the pirates. And you're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, cool. I buy that. That (laughs) makes sense to me. And, uh, gosh, like, actually, I I lost my train of thought. Forget I was starting to say anything. So, well, I, okay, cool. I wanted to backtrack just a little bit when we're talking about like how much like action is in this movie. Like it's very much an action like set piece driven movie. Like right. which is kind of mm. weird for an animated movie. And I we talked about this before the podcast. But I say what it really reminds me of is that it reminds me of Treasure Planet, and mainly because Treasure Planet's like whole mission statement was like it's a it's an animated movie, but it's got action and explosions <laughs> and guns. Like, they right. were so proud of themselves that they made an animated movie with, like, explosions in it. And then you have this movie that has just so much action and so much explosions in it. And it's just... This is more talking about Treasure Planet, but I just had that thought. It's weird that they thought that that was, like, a mega original idea. And, like, this movie Wait. has so much action in it, but, like, it's not... It's not, like, an action movie. Like, that's not the selling point. It's actually a very, like, solemn and throught thought-provoking movie like they don't like 
they don't sell themselves as an action movie, you know? Yeah. Wait, was that really how Treasure Planet was, like, marketing themselves? Oh, yeah. I don't remember that. No, because they, like, well, first of all, they weren't marketed at all because Disney wanted them to fail. But, like, in, like, in... (laughs) I'm still upset. (laughs) Yeah, like, but insularly, like, to, like, the crew themselves, like, would wear t-shirts. It was, like, I don't remember the exact phrases, but it was, like, it was, like, Disney movie with explosions, and they were, like, so proud of themselves for making, like, an (laughs) action movie. I mean... I guess this is your dad's fair, Disney movie. <laughs> yeah, literally, that's what they were doing. <laughs> really? Oh my gosh. Like, to be fair, I could see that, like, departure from, like, Disney princess stuff mm-hmm. at the time to, like, then have, like, that. And, I mean, I'm, I love Treasure Planet and mm-hmm. all, but, yeah, that is that is kind of weird for that to be, like, their whole... Yeah. What like, year did... Sorry, what year did uh, Nightmare Before Christmas come out? That was 1993. Um, comp- sorry, I knew <laughs> I meant to ask what year did Treasure Planet come out? Because I was gonna, com- I was just gonna compare it to Nightmare Before Christmas in that way. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think I was, was like trying two- to figure out if Nightmare Before just Christmas and Treasure Planet blast came and I out. I have the date of when Nightmare Before Christmas came out memorized. <laughs> Uh, 2002, Treasure Planet. Okay, yeah, so that, that wouldn't really necessarily be connected. Because no. I feel like Nightmare Before Christmas was a lot that same kind of way, too. It was like, oh, this is a little twisted. This is yeah. a scary Disney movie. I, th- you know? I think that was more of an ego trip on Tim Burton's part. Definitely. <laughs> well, I mean, but that's the weird thing about Nightmare Before Christmas is that Tim Burton was only tangentially involved, you know? Yeah. That well, was a, there was... I feel like it is a little bit of Tim Burton tooting his own horn. And maybe I think it was Disney tooting Tim Burton's horn for him. <laughs> Do you want to take that again? Tooting <laughs> Tim Burton's horn for him to make a profit. Because the whole thing is that Tim Burton worked at Disney and he fucking hated it. Because they were like, hey, Tim Burton, uh, draw some background like foxes for the fox and the hound and then Tim Burton would be like I don't know how to fucking draw foxes so he just hated <laughs> it the whole time but then while he was working at Disney he had the idea of the Nightmare for Christmas and like whatever the rules were at the time like if you had an idea while you were working for Disney that was Disney's idea and you could not do anything with it so yeah. Tim Burton was like I want to do something with this and Disney was like no you cannot do something with this and he was like, can you guys do something with this? And they were like, yes, we can. And then they made The Nightmare Before Christmas. So, yeah, Tim Burton really crazy. wasn't involved with it because he was making his own movie at the time. And also Disney right. was just trying to screw him over as much as possible. So, wow. By the way, this is not relevant to Castle in the Sky. Right, okay. <laughs> we're talking about Nightmare Before Christmas, and this is something I just found out about that I want to say. Okay. Henry Selleck yes. is apparently, like, the most horrible nightmare of a man to work with. Oh, really? <laughs> and, I never heard uh, that. Apparently, he literally... Um, I don't remember what studio Wait, it was. Sorry, who, who did you say? I missed the name you said. Oh, Henry Selleck. He's the guy who directed Nightmare Before Christmas and oh, Coraline okay. and yeah. other such. Um, ah. Apparently, he made... Like, literally, he got three quarters of the way completed with a movie at, like, Warner Animation or something, like, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And they just were like, dude, fuck you. <laughs> like... <laughs> We're just cutting everything off. Stop making it. Like, you're mostly done, but you're not going to get to finish this because you are pissing us off so bad. Wow, I've never heard that. Like, he got, like, so fired from that job. (laughs) As fired as he could be. Yeah. It was Graveyard Book. He's making a Graveyard Book movie. Oh. I feel like I heard about that. 
Yeah, it got like most of the way done, and the studio was just like, fuck off. We don't like you at all. <laughs> we hate you so much that we're just not making this movie anymore. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh my gosh. Um, that's... <laughs> that's just my favorite thing in the world. Like, he was just enough of an asshole that the studio just like, threw away like $40 million they had spent that... on the movie. That is saying a lot, considering the yeah. shit yeah. that happens in this industry. Like, you really have to try. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you did something. You shot a kid. You did something. <laughs> Gosh. Um, oh, but yeah, wow. I mean, I mean, I don't think the the narrative was ever like, oh, he did some horrible thing to somebody. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah, that he's like an asshole and impossible to work with, and will yeah. not compromise on anything, and it's just impossible <sighs> to get anything done with him. Wow. Um, anyway. anyway, Castle in the Sky. Oh, um, this has become the, the variety yeah. episode featuring yeah. Castle in the Sky. So nah, it's okay. Episode. Most of the time. Have you, you should listen to our Bugs Life episode. We spend oh most of it talking about Alien Covenant. A movie I haven't seen, and we talked about it for like an hour. Anyway. Oh my god. I love this. But talking about, this is just me appreciating how good Ghibli movies are at the craft of animation and telling stories. Mm -hmm. Like, there are so many minor characters in this movie that we meet for, like, maybe a scene or two scenes, and then we never see them again, but they're just, like, so memorable and, like, so developed in that time. Like, I love the boss, and I especially love the boss's wife. She does, like, yeah. two things, but it just tells I'm you so much about her character. I'm not mending that for you. Like... <laughs> What? She's like, I'm not mending that, you know? I know, it's <laughs> like, so good. And then she just, like, stands outside the door with a frying pan just in case one of them gets too close. It's so good. Oh, and she's, like, built, like, a brick shit house. Oh, too. yeah. She had, like, beefy <laughs> arms. I was like, damn, yeah. really? that's awesome. <laughs> I was just so happy when they started, like, flexing out of their I know. shirts. I was like, fuck, yeah, this rules. Like, <laughs> This is what I wanted. <laughs> Because it's not like it's not something necessary to the plot at no. all. It's just like this fun gag where it's just like, oh, they're gonna have a competition to see who can flex the best. Yeah, like, but like, oh yeah, they're yeah. just like busted out of their clothes with yeah. their giant. Well, I muscles. think they're really trying to show that the pirates are nothing like the like government goons, even if they have like right. the same goal right now. It's like these guys, these guys aren't bad people. They're huge dorks. They're having a flexing competition. Right. Like even if they're doing yeah. something bad right now. They're not bad people at all. And I think that scene, like, really hammers that in. Because we have right. to like them later. And we do like them later. Because, yeah, at this point, we think the government and the pirates are, like, one and the On same. On the same we, level, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We haven't learned to, like, differentiate between them yet. And I feel like that's the first step of being, like, this is not the same as mm -hmm. <laughs> Mark Hamill's yeah. goons. Yeah. <laughs> like, the characters are all just so vibrant. Like, you're mm -hmm. right. It's, it, it's insane. And, like... It, again, I I was I was so worried that so much of this would be clouded for me, having watched this so many times that I'm like everything's just kind of like blending together. But like there was things jumping out at me that hadn't before, mm -hmm. uh, where it's just like, oh my gosh, why is that so? Why is that so good? Why is that like so fun? <laughs> That's such a clever little thing, and just like like little touches mm -hmm. that I would notice that they and like when you see it in animated stuff, especially. It, it's very particular like that stuff is clearly done on purpose because it takes that much longer and you have to plan ahead to put those things in it's not like an actor mm -hmm. like ad-libbing a thing like yeah when they're including those little character like details the i don't know the one coming to mind is when patsu first sees shida like 
floating down from the sky and he like rushes up and he still has like, like a the... drone going into a lake. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> That's really good. Okay. I'm not gonna unsee that now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like it something that just kind of struck me is something it's so minor, but like when he was first running up to catch her. He, like, realized he still had the little, like, the lunch pail thing with, like, the meatballs or whatever <laughs> mm-hmm. that he just picked. He still had, like, the food in his hand. He's like, oh. And he, like, set it down and then, like, went to catch her. And mm-hmm. it's, like, it's just cute. It's funny. It's it's a kid not thinking things through in the moment. But, like, he's obviously focused on helping and trying to catch this girl over the food, you know? It's, mm-hmm. like, just, like, even little things like that kind of inform the character a bit. But, God... I, I could seriously, I could go on forever about the Dola gang. Those pirates. And they're so good. That I old lady and so her much. large adult sons. I know. <laughs> flying around and doing and sky crimes. And the one crimes. that looks like exactly like Travis McElroy for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make that connection for sure. Oh my gosh, you're right. Oh no. <laughs> I will not be able to unsee that one either. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on just a sec. I'm going to check my notes. Oh, I thought you were going to Google a picture of that one guy. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I love something about Miyazaki movies that cracks me up is how, like, unreasonably friendly the protagonists are always. I know, yeah. <laughs> like, I think about this one where they're, like, talking to each other and she's like, check out my cool necklace. And he's like, oh, tight, I'm going to fucking jump off the cliff. Check me out. And then he just, like, <laughs> falls and dies in the, yeah. like, breaks yeah. through a brick building. And then she comes down and is like, oh, my God, are you okay? And he's like, haha, yeah, no, it's all right. It was my fault. <laughs> like, okay, I guess. <laughs> like... He did jump off of the building, just, I mean. Yeah. Like, but it's just like, instead of being kids, like, yeah. ow, fuck. He's like, yeah. ah, no, it's okay. That's funny. I've got a real hard yeah. head. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck? Who are you? I, Why are I you really like this? think it has to do with the fact that a lot of Ghibli's main characters are children. Like, because he, mm-hmm. he really enjoys telling stories for children, specifically for girl children. Girls? Girl children. <laughs> 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 children who are also girls but yeah so yeah they are super overly friendly and it's because that's such that's such a little kid thing to do as someone who babysits for him to just be like i think this will allow me to jump off of the cliff allow me to jump off the cliff and then he jumps off the cliff like that yeah like that makes sense to me (laughs) yeah it it felt like it really is just kind of in line with all the wholesome shit that's already in there uh Along with, like, but, like, they weren't completely friendly to just everybody all the time. Like, they were, Mm -mm. at least in this one compared to some of the other Ghibli ones or other just, like, children's media, I guess. Like, Mm -hmm. they're not just nice to everyone to a fault. I like that they're, like, oh, these nasty pirates. And then, like, later they befriend them. But then, like, Mm -hmm. they're, like, aggressive towards the army and stuff. They're, Mm -hmm. like... Yeah. Well, it's there's yeah. not a lot of strangers in this movie. Most of the characters that we meet are characters that they know. Like, we meet True. the boss and his family, so of course they're friendly to them. And then we meet uh, the old man in the mine, and of course we're nice to them, because we know who that is, because it's a small town and we know everybody. So I think that is a part of why everybody seems so <laughs> nice. I think it's telling you that this is a very close-knit community. And then when yeah. you have, like, people like the pirates, they're like, oh, you dirty pirates. Like, they're not nice to everybody. They're nice to people that they obviously have a relationship with. Yeah. 
You want to talk about the big robot? I, I knew you were going to love talk the, about big the big robot. robot. The second the we saw robot, the big I, robot, I was like, Jackson's going to love that big robot. <laughs> I I have shed so many tears over that big robot. You yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's this incredible, like, action set piece. Oh, yeah. That I think is, like, perfectly timed because it comes right at the time where I was like, okay, like, what's going on? Like, pick it up. Yeah. And then they're, they did. They picked it up. There was a big robot. They, 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 they like, threw yeah, a yeah. big robot at you. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um... I, one of the things that I that really stood out to me about it, though, was that it felt... It feels like a lot of the time when you have, like, a big indestructible object in a movie. Mm-hmm. It's like everything just bounces off of it either forever or until you figure out what the one thing is you can do to hurt yeah. it, you know? Mm-hmm. Perfect weak spot, and then you just one-hit KO. Right. Yeah. Or not even that. It's more like, oh, we need to change our strategy and do this instead. But I like that this, like, feels like a real object... In the sense that it's, like, it's really durable and, like, bullets mm-hmm. bounce off of it because it's strong enough. But when they hit it with a big enough thing, it finally does do some damage yeah. to it, you know? Yeah. Like, the fact that they just shot a big missile at him and it, like, knocked him out and put a big dent in him. Yeah. I feel like in something in the storytelling that I'm, like, more used to, it's more like that would also not work because it's a big, scary, destructible thing. Mm-hmm. The big missile wouldn't work, but it, it does in this movie. I don't know. That's yeah. just an interesting... Yeah. I absolutely love that shot where, like, the smoke clears and they show you the robot after the first big missiles hit it and it's just, like, out cold with that giant dent in its chest. Like, it's yeah, just... Yeah. It's so good because you think, oh, they killed it, and then it just fucking stands right back up again. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Like, the thing is scary. And the way that it, like, blows things up it doesn't just, like, blow it up. It, like, melts and then explodes and it catches fire yeah. and, like, oozes everywhere. Like, the amount of, like, destruction that it causes, you just, like, you feel that destruction. Like, yeah. you are genuinely yeah. worried about, like, everybody in a 10-mile radius because this thing is so destructive. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, yeah, there is. There's a lot of destruction in this movie. Not even yeah. just from the robot, like, throughout. It's, like, there seems like a pretty big body count in yeah. these events. It, it's amazing that they still find a way to keep it just soft enough where like kids aren't completely you know mortified and all like oh my gosh all these like they they keep the death just enough off screen but like you still know Mm -hmm. and but yeah like the the other thing and like i okay like level level with you guys like i i am a huge sucker i am very biased for like robots and robot characters in like anything i always gravitate to them for some reason i i just i like i don't know i like i like robots uh, <laughs> i like the big robot <laughs> uh, and it always pisses me off when um because like you can portray them in so many different ways and when it's always just like a big scary weapon thing i guess it's like whatever you know like it's mm-hmm. always just like but like this it, it like it can't speak it was it didn't have hardly any screen time Mm-hmm. You know, right. compared to, the, but like this, the amount of emotion, and like the connection that that it had with Sheeta there was really like impacting, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like as, on me as a kid especially, like I cried every time. Yeah, <laughs> that thing well, was blown up because you see Sheeta's like whole, you see her whole thing of like being scared of it. And then, like, realizing that's trying to help her, but then still realizing that's incredibly dangerous, but then still realizing that it's still trying to protect her. Like, you could, like, Sheeta is very <clears throat> conflicted about how to feel about this robot. And at the end of the day, she's really sad that it had to do all that. And it did all of that because of her. 
So yeah, yeah, like even though it is it is the big scary robot, it has such another side of it that we get to like fully develop even in that super short scene. <clears throat> Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I like that they, they are committed to having it actually be, like, a nonverbal robot, because, you mm. know, it's not like R2-D2, where it's like, beep, boop, pop, and they're like, what's that R2? Titty's <laughs> in the well? Like, they don't ever have to do anything like that, it's just like, yeah. oh, he's a big guy, and he doesn't say anything, and you're like, yeah. uh, good, I'm glad. <laughs> cool, I'm glad I didn't want him anything. to say anything. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Oh, um God. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I already said Timmy's stuck in the well, but like robots turn into Lassie so often. They do. It's like they I kind of, really I kind of yeah. like that. It's just like he's he doesn't speak. He's not a guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The um, um oh random trivia thing I just remembered. Just fun side note, but um because that robot is obviously a very iconic part of this movie, and so right. even like we said, how this this movie seems to get forgotten or like shoved to like the end of the list usually like mm-hmm. that robot shows up in a lot oh, of yeah. places and there's actually an easter egg for it in uh iron man age of ultron oh yeah or, yeah oh from when the oh wait the, yeah like I don't the, know. Lap, the laputa robot it's actually um i think it's in the scene when ultron first kind of like becomes ultron or whatever um right i, I just remember there's a panning shot in the workshop and everything you have some like stuff in the foreground but it's like panning and you're like focusing off in like to the hallway or like elsewhere oh, in the right. workshop but just in that foreground area you can actually see like the arm of the Laputa robot like there's a statue of that robot right. in the workshop <laughs> I was going to cool. say no I uh, I I kind of thought of Age of Ultron in this movie at the end when it's like all crumbling and falling down it looks a lot like that sequence where like Sokovia is like crumbling and he's like Ultron's turned it into a meteor that's falling down and like I I don't know and now that I know that that, too like there's gotta be yeah that has to have part of been their like visual inspiration (laughs) yeah yeah. Um, I'm just talking about like the total destruction and like the body count it's because a lot of it is like implied destruction and implied body count but when you get to the end of the movie with like when they're like when he's like killing everybody, and that shot of where he opens the floor so that all of the soldier guys like fall out of it, like it's so yeah, it's scary, right. and you can see them like trying to like run, and I love the shot of all the soldiers trying to get on the ship as it's flying away, and they've got like the connecting bridges that are full of people, oh, and you just see the yeah. connecting bridges like break as it flies away, right. like it's so good, like even the army that's been a villain this whole time, it's just like seeing them just get absolutely destroyed is like horrifying. Right. Yeah. I have a quick sidebar. Speaking of things that this movie definitely inspired, mm-hmm. um, I also thought a lot of Pokemon the movie 2000. Um, <laughs> and oh, shit. I don't have anything meaningful to say about that besides okay. that, Adeline. We briefly talked about how we should do Star Wars movies. I think we should wait on that and we should do Pokemon movies You're first. You're so instead. right. Oh, my gosh. I You're really think right. we should do Pokemon movies. Anyway, that's all. Looks like Pokemon the movie 2000. <laughs> Where he's, like, in the big <laughs> ship and Zapdos and Articuno and Moltres are flying around. That's what yeah. the castle in the sky looks like. Great. <clears throat> I forgot about that. You're right. What the? Yeah, f- man. Pokemon the movie 2000. I watched it semi recently, and it wasn't that good. Did not hold up. <laughs> yeah, because there were like there was like the Pokemon streaming service for like a minute, and it had some stuff <laughs> oh, on that's it. That's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. For like literally like maybe a week, there was a Pokemon streaming service, and then it I completely vanished. Still... I don't know where it is anymore. Oh, I wonder if that's still happening. I don't know. Oh, that's so funny. Um, yeah, I'm seeing some similarities here. I had to like look up because I have not seen that movie in years. But I right, you're 
it even had like light like the spikes pop out of the bottom like oh yeah and like electricity and shit like fly down like that's totally that has to be I, I always forget it, but Jackson, it's the second Pokemon movie that has Entei in it, right? Or is it the third? No, it's the third one. It's the third one. The first one Two. is Pokemon the first movie with Mew okay. and Mewtwo. The yeah. second one, the one is Pokemon the movie 2000. With okay. With the <laughs> birds. And then yeah. after that was um, Pokemon colon um, whatever the third one's called. The, yeah. That's the yeah. one with Entei. Pokemon 3 the movie. Yeah. Um, no, it's um, something of the unknown. Uh, oh, Tomb of the Unknown? No. Hold on, Pokemon. Revenge of the Unknown. <laughs> Revenge of the Unknown. Unknown reloaded. Into uh, the Unknown. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay here, here's, here's the title. Pokemon 3, colon, the movie, colon, Ente, dash, Spell of the Unknown. <laughs> spell of the Unknown. <laughs> yes, Ente, okay. Dash. All right, all right. This is a bit now. I'm looking at the list of Pokemon movies. <laughs> all right. So, like we said, Pokemon the first movie, Pokemon the movie 2000. Yeah, because did it come? It came out in the year 2000, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, good. Pokemon three, according to Wikipedia, it just says Pokemon three, the movie dash spell of the unknown. Um, I like Pokemon. The cool <laughs> yeah. Pokemon. Yeah, I do too. Pokemon four is Pokemon forever colon Celebi, <laughs> oh, voice of the forest. Oh my gosh! I is that the one that where one. Celebi dies? Yeah, yeah. I remember because that was one of the earliest movies I ever saw in theaters. Oh um, yeah. Because the little like indie movie theater in town was showing it, and I saw oh, yeah. it with Caitlin Lockhart at age like six or seven. Yeah, it came out in two thousand three, so I guess I was five when I saw it. Um, and then after that they is been... they kind of aren't as funny after that. Pokemon Heroes colon Latios and Latias. Um, Pokemon Heroes. This next one is just... Oh, they stop calling it Pokemon even after that. Aww. The next movie is just called Jirachi, colon, Wishmaker. Oh my gosh, As if that's... Jirachi is the star of the movie. <laughs> the rise of Jirachi. That, that sounds um, like Dest- the freaking, like, the next JRPG from, like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jirachi, <laughs> Rise of the Song Keepers, yeah. Definitive Edition X. <laughs> it sounds like Kojima's next game. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, Destiny Deoxys. Oh, um, I remember shit. that one because Deoxys like fucking destroys one. the whole city and it's rad. <laughs> yeah, I remember that Munchlax was in that one. Yeah, <laughs> I think I watched it on TV. Um, Lucario and the Mystery of Mew. Where um, Lucario's just a weird. fucking dude who's just like <laughs> hanging out and he's like, yeah. "I want to kill you, Ash, or something." I don't remember, but he's just walking around like he's a dude. <laughs> I'm just looking through. I'm trying to see if there's anything else of note. Um, oh, there was the one time when they made two movies at the same time that were, like, the black and white versions, like the video games, and they were the same movie, except for, like, slight differences and, like, certain characters and stuff. I don't know why they did that. That's weird. Yeah. I mean, having two variations is a cool concept, but if they change, like, two things, that's a movie. I mean, because, yeah, it's supposed to, like, mimic the Pokemon games, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, I don't know. God. We gotta watch those ones. I'm trying to figure out if we start doing Pokemon movies, how many we want to do. Because we can't do... <laughs> At what point does it stop being fun? <laughs> right, exactly. There... If you count Detective Pikachu as of this point, there's 23 movies. That's yeah. um... a lot of movies. That's a lot of movies. That's like a I whole mean... podcast on its own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But I mean, they do like one every year and a half since That's true. 1995. So... <laughs> um, oh okay, gosh. anyway. Um, where were we at? Pokemon the movie 2000 um, is uh, ripped off Castle in the Sky. Um, 
Yes. One last thing I just want to like toss in before we continue like um, jumping around to different parts of the uh, of the movie, but like the general art and aesthetic, like what did you guys think of the the cool like the disconnect between the like general like world and like technology whether in the town or in like Laputa or whatever but compared to like the military fortress and the ships and stuff mm-hmm. like I, I thought it was really cool that like the <clears throat> military base like looked a lot like the castle in the sky I thought that was kind of cool it was kind of telling you that like the castle in the sky was gonna kind of be bad news before we even like really saw the castle in the sky because yeah. they both got those big rounded domes and they're both basically castles. So yeah, I saw that similarity and I was like, ooh, they're telling yeah. me things through <laughs> visuals. <laughs> I I just wanna make I just wanna ask a question for clarification. I I must have just missed something. Yeah. But at the end, I totally thought their plan was to, like, blow up the castle and be like, oh, this is too dangerous and there's not anybody here, so it has to be destroyed. Yeah. But then they kind of don't. They just kind of blow up the bottom half of it. Yeah. What yeah, was the deal it, with that? <clears throat> As someone what? who didn't know what was going on, what I thought it was, <laughs> was that <laughs> they were like, we got to destroy this whole place because it could fall into the wrong hands and then be evil. So, like, we, even if there is good here, we have to destroy all of it or there will only be bad. And so they're like, we gotta do it, and then they, then the destroy, I don't know. And then only the good part survives somehow, and the bad (laughs) part is destroyed. Right. Yeah, I, I will say that, um, I think that part is left fairly ambiguous, probably on purpose, but I, I do think that, I mean, the kids know it's a spell of destruction, but right. they don't necessarily know exactly what that means or what that would entail. And so That's I think true, they, yeah. they were just more than anything counting on having to, even if they had to sacrifice themselves, to they had to take out Muska. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, Miska, Muska, Mickey Mouse. Yeah. And I think, wow. yeah, it, it, it was appropriate, though, that it was kind of, I think all of the military and, like, weaponry shit seemed to all be kind of in that bottom half anyway. And the mm-hmm. upper part was just the garden. I think right. maybe that's the insinuation because that huge tree was what was kind of holding the rest together. Right. And that's where, like, the crystal shot up to is that it just saved the garden. So it kind of it was almost like it purified it, maybe, or it only saved the good life part of it. I don't mm-hmm. know. Right. Uh, well, I thought it was um... weird is that they established that destruction spell super on and, like, super early on. And she even mm-hmm. says, it's like, my grandma told me to never, ever do this spell because it's so evil. And I have to know some evil magic in order to learn good magic, because that's just how magic works. But it, mm-hmm. it, it it didn't seem that evil when it actually happened. It was just like, boom, this stuff got destroyed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, here's, I, here's a joke I wrote down. I thought okay. it would be funny if at the end, when he's like, whisper the destruction spell to me. If she just, like, said the destruction spell and just, like, Fuzero Dodd is brains out, that would be funny, I think. <laughs> okay, Jesse. Just, like, said oh the spell. Oh, my gosh. And what if she just had, like, a good. gun and shot him? That would be hilarious. <laughs> but, like, because she said the spell, it, like, blew him up because she's saying the spell. what if Mario had, like, a gun? <laughs> would that be hilarious? That would also be hilarious. And he shoots Luigi and he's like, I'm on the mushrooms because it's, like, a drug. <laughs> what if that... Do you ever think... About comedy? <laughs> Not yes, I do. I do very often, more often than you do, Adelaide. Um, 
So did your so I know oh. Adeline, you and I were watching the same version. Yeah. There just weren't any credits in it. Is really? that normal? Did, oh, you guys didn't have a credit sequence? I I had to stop the movie to start recording this podcast, like right <laughs> as like the movie ended, so I didn't see oh. the credits. Because oh. it just showed me like the thing in the sky the and you like the saw the world like going by around it. Yeah. We also did any... watch a bootlegged version. Right, 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 right. So no, Josh. No, oh. we didn't. Um, but there just weren't any credits there. Uh, It was just that imagery for like three minutes and then it ended. Well, what you're describing was the background. So I guess the version you had just for whatever reason didn't have didn't have credits. That's so weird. Why was it like that? Okay, fine. How did they do that? Why did they do that? I have no idea. Why would you go out of your way to do that? Like, why wouldn't you just cut if you did? Okay, if you didn't want to include the credits. Right. Just stop the movie before the credits are all. Why did they right, keep the yeah. background and take the credit? That's weird. They, That's they left the song, credits out because they're like, hey, I made this. <laughs> I made this. My name this is, is Kim Cartoon and it. I made this movie. <laughs> Plagiarism. Um, do we want to talk about Mark Hamill's character at all? Because he's kind of been left out. Is there anything we want to say about him? He's uh, bad. I really enjoyed he's a bad it. Guy. <laughs> he's, a, he's a bad guy. He's the bad guy. Uh, I I enjoyed his character because, like, as a kid, it was very easy to just be like, oh, bad guy. And, mm-hmm. like, right. you know, you, you've seen it once, you know he's the bad guy. And so just, like, seeing everything he does, like, a uh, bad guy. <laughs> yeah. That's but, bad like, guy. I know. Like, but seeing the nuances of it and how even though we see, you know, the pirates as bad guys at first, they're clearly not. They, they become mm-hmm. awesome. And then even the army while misguided you realize that they're not like bad bad mm-hmm. either mm-hmm. like they're they're not great but they're kind of if anything and kind of just a neutral greedy <laughs> entity right mm-hmm. and seeing they're being led all- astray by Mark yeah, yeah. a, tr- a by greater yeah being able to like understand more as time goes on just how manipulative this bastard is as time oh, yeah. goes on right like well, it's what- interesting what really struck me about him is, like, how his relationship with Sheeta, like, later we find out it's because they're both <clears throat> related to the people that used to live here, but, like, the whole movie, like, just the way that he, like, talks to her and, like, is just, like, totally comfortable with just, like, grabbing her and throwing her around. Like, it just really, <laughs> it, like, usually with villains in animated movies, at least, like, they're always, like, evil, but they're always kind of, like, evil but far away. Like, they're never, like, (laughs) confronting the character so directly. Like, usually it's through magic or through something that they're doing. They're not, like, directly attacking the character. And for him to just be, like, totally comfortable with just, like, grabbing her, like, throwing her around is, like, really, really effective and being scary. Yeah. And got the scene where he fucking shoots off her braids and goes, your ears are next, is so good. (laughs) So good. That fucking... Which, like, it really does serve as, like, the good foil to just, like, enhance how awesome Sheeta's character is. Because I know mm-hmm. a lot of times, like, characters that have, you know, feminine qualities or, mm-hmm. like, maybe conform to stuff that is traditionally considered, like, the feminine thing. Like, mm-hmm. she's still subverting those archetypes, usually, mm-hmm. like, throughout the movie. And so and seeing her being able to, like, face him down... She, like, tosses the stone out to Patsu, and she's, like, willing to, like, just die to, like, make mm-hmm. sure that it gets out of there and all that stuff, like, and then just the fact that she's, like, it, 
I don't know how old she is, but she's they're they're not that old. They're like kids. twelve. Yeah, they're very clearly described as children. So yeah. Yeah, and like the fact that she at that age, living on like a farm her whole life and having everything like taken away from her, and then mm-hmm. being like set on this whole like like she's she's like she grows so much braver as the time goes on but it's still just mind-boggling to me that she's willing to not only face down this adult man Mm -hmm. this manipulative guy who's like you said willing to just like throw around he's clearly been like you know very manipulative and abusive in various Mm -hmm. ways like throughout however long they've known each other but she's still willing to not only face him down but like die to make Mm -hmm. sure that he can't get his hands on this and like destroy the world and shit like that's that is so crazy to see kinda that like kind of heroism. Pokemon the movie 2000. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> see, I love how Miyazaki, usually with like his female characters, he makes a point of like, and how they're designed is that they're supposed to look like little girls. And I really like that. Like whenever she's wearing a dress, it's very much like the Ghibli, like A-line kind of amorphous dress where it's like we're mm-hmm. it's it's not about what she's wearing it's just like what she's doing it's got this pretty movement to her but then i love that she changes into pants and that's kind of a little thing but it's also kind of an important yeah. thing because a lot of a lot of characters especially in animation they don't let the women wear pants because skirts are fun to animate and because it shows you a lot about the character but the fact that they let mm-hmm. her change into pants for me was like that's really good i love that outfit yeah. And the fact that Dola was the one that gave them to her. I know, it's really good. <laughs> I legitimately... Super quick, can I divert us back to Pokemon for, like, just a second? <laughs> <laughs> I will admit, I, I kind of spaced out for a second, and I was looking at that Pokemon Wikipedia page again. Yep. Um, here's something whack. When we got to the um, Sun and Moon generation, uh-huh. um, they didn't make any, like, sequels to, like, the regular Pokemon continuity. Mm-hmm. They started um, the alternate continuity with the Pokemon movies, <laughs> well, which includes they... the 20th movie called I Choose You and the 21st movie called The Power of Us. <laughs> well, because I know in the Sun and Moon, it was like Ash again, but it was like origin story Ash again. It was like rebooted Ash. It wasn't the same one. Right. That's, what? That's so... I have not kept up with these, and that's really mind-boggling to me. Well, because I, I saw people watching the Sun and Moon anime and being like, this is really fun, and I really like the characters in the animation, because Sun and Moon had such fun characters. But then they were like, yeah, like, Ash is there. Ash is the main character, but it's like, it's like 10-year-old Ash again. It's not... Gritty adult right. Ash who sacrificed himself for his <laughs> Pokemon like twelve times. Right. Uh, I'm trying to figure died. out if this is the same. Now I'm here for vengeance. <laughs> this is my friend Lucario. He's here to kill me. I'm He's trying to figure out shit up. if it's the same continuity as the TV show or if it's a separate different continuity. Just like a totally separate thing. I don't know. Or if continuity means anything at all. In anything these anymore? Any anything? Has Ash ever not been? 10 years old? I don't think so. I don't know. I, I think he's just... I think he's just, like, an eldritch abomination at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, here's some here's some shit. The next Pokemon movie scheduled, um, there's not an English name for it yet. Okay. But um, as of right now, it's just called Pocket Monsters the Movie colon Coco. Is it a remake they go of to the Coco? land of the dead, and Pikachu <laughs> finds his great great grandpa. 
If Ash communicates with all his dead Pokemon and learns about the value of family in and music. <laughs> <laughs> the power of music learns about the love of family. <laughs> Why is it called that? There's not a Pokemon called Coco. What does that mean? Why? A, Maybe it's somebody's name? Like in Coco? This, okay, here's some weird promo art I just found. Uh, can I? Yeah. Wait, hold on a second. It's not letting me just straight up like drag it yeah so i have to look at this shit this is apparently the friend character for this uh but it's like oh i see a, a jungle <laughs> tribe like permanent oh, jungle kid like, what so what i guess probably doing? his name is coco it's okay. a movie about <laughs> about I know nothing nothing about this but i'm Ash calling it meeting now. a feral street youth in the jungle <laughs> coco is a pokemon <laughs> they've yeah. had people like they've had people transform into pokemon and vice versa that's that has what you been think a thing that has canonically happened multiple times throughout this freaking, what pokemon would he be though i have he's probably like a freaking new legendary he's either he's either the pokemon or he's connected to it or it's one of those plot twists where he seems connected to it, but he's like, just kidding, I am the Pokemon. No, and he's right. the he's the dog with the sword in its mouth, actually. That's, that's him. It's oh, his... wait, he's the dog with the gun in its mouth. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Pokemon gun. Option. I remember when, when Sword and Shield was announced, someone jokingly made a Pokemon gun, but some magazine got super confused and thought that that was the third Pokemon game. So there was some like official <laughs> Japanese magazine that had Pokemon Sword, Shield, and Gun in it. <laughs> oh my gosh! That's, That's so incredible. Freaking oh, people are commenting on this saying Pokemon Tarzan, but there's more pictures. It's right. I mean, you do have Grookey because Grookey is big ape man, and I he love doesn't him. look like if he were a Grookey, he would have green hair. Yeah, you're right. That's true. I bet uh, he was raised yeah, no, by it, Maybe it's shiny Grookey. It, <laughs> I okay, yeah, whatever, fine. <laughs> do we want to do we want to start wrapping this up? What are our final thoughts sure. on casting uh, this cat? How long have we been recording? <laughs> Two oh, days. Uh, hour and twenty minutes. Yeah, oh, no, almost. it's a perfectly reasonable. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of tangents, so like, we do. which is. Fine by me. On I have brand. hella ADHD, so this is my uh, this is my natural state. <laughs> but yeah, I think this movie is first of all a great Ghibli film. I feel like it follows a lot of the things that people love about the other Ghibli films, and like I had never watched it or really heard about it other than when people do like those full list of like Ghibli movies, and like I really like it. I'll probably watch it again. I really love the characters. And just like every other Ghibli movie, it makes me want to eat eggs because they just animate eggs so perfectly. <laughs> I've Director been eating a lot of eggs and toast recently. I'm eggs. not gonna lie. <laughs> eggs are good. Eggs are they good are as good. shit. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I've said multiple times that I know I'm biased as hell about this, but I this is definitely one of my top favorite movies of all time. Mm -hmm. It's definitely influenced my art style as an artist, too, like, oh, yeah. at various points, but it's, like, consistently one of the biggest inspirations for me for just, like, characters and stuff, and I, I'm i pretty sure that Dola, the pirate captain lady, is 
my favorite character in any piece of fiction ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it would be very easy to just, yeah, she's my fave. Yeah. Like, that's not an exaggeration. God. It's okay, so you fun. guys keep talking for a second while I look up a good review to finish this off. <laughs> Sweet. Um, I, oh. In my notes, when the robot, like, started to wake up, I just wrote down on my piece of paper, real big boy hours, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> God. At um, some point, I need to watch, I need to listen to Find Us Alive, because I think everyone that I talk to on a weekly basis is either making it or watches it, so I feel yeah. like I should probably be a part of that. <laughs> it's, I mean, we're, we're about to hit some real fun shit, so uh, it's definitely <laughs> a good time to get into it. Um, oh, one random piece of foreshadowing that I somehow did not notice fully in all of the like millions of times I've seen this, but when Muska, like after they rescue Sheeta and like the robot gets wiped out and then mm-hmm. he finds the crystal in the rubble, mm-hmm. uh, he picks it up and the light is still directing to Laputa. Mm-hmm. But the light shines directly into the center of his forehead. Yeah. Like a fucking like sniper <laughs> sights. <laughs> like literally that like Laputa's gonna be the death of you. You Ooh. dumb motherfucker. Like <laughs> That's good. I I don't know, something about that I like yeah, totally yeah. did not know. I mean the fact that, that the light time. like hits him is def defo means something. Mm-hmm. Okay. <sighs> I found a good one. <clears throat> um so, uh, hey, do you guys want to hear a one-star review of I Castle do. in the Sky from Letterboxd.com? Yeah. Maybe I don't, actually. <laughs> um, this isn't a one-star review. It's a one-and-a-half-star review. Okay. But, um, oh, okay. This person said, just did not work for me. Maybe it was the lack of raccoons or something, but maybe I just didn't gel with it. But I just couldn't get into this storyline. <laughs> okay, can you, what's this username? Not enough of not enough raccoons for this person. No, I'm not gonna dox them. I'm not gonna keep. No, doing I'm. That. Just, is there something about raccoons in their username? No, there is this is raccoon not. man? No. Well, luckily for them, Pompoko or whatever that one is called exists, and that's literally nothing but raccoons. So, <laughs> so great I, news for this person. They're gonna have the time of their life. Hey man. Okay, let me just know. say, I looked at their profile. Their top four movies. None of them got raccoons. Don't in have them. raccoons in them. Well, wait, does Oliver and Company have a raccoon in it? One of their favorite movies is Oliver and Company? <laughs> is, is Oliver and Company, yes. Are there, just answer my question. Are there any no, I don't think there are any raccoons in Oliver and I'm Company. I'm pretty sure it's just cats and dogs. <laughs> <laughs> but those are basically the same thing, right? Yeah, if I've anyway. learned anything. Hey, they know what they want. They're, they're living yeah. life. They're like, you know true. what? I came here for raccoons, and there weren't any. So you get the score that you get. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, my name is Jackson McMurray. <laughs> my name is Ally McMurray. And I'm Tosh Ritter. Yeah, and this is No Nerds Allowed. There are no nerds allowed. I'm going to say it again. I'm just probably stop. Yeah, damn I don't know, you guys didn't dab enough during this episode for that to be I know, we just dabbed just a lot of dabbing. We put the dabbing on the mantle and then didn't resolve it by the third act. <laughs>